Ted. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, my friend. Good Welcome to see you, everyone. mate. Good to see you. Well, they're not here yet, but while people are arriving, when you arrive, let us know, folks. Give us a shout-out in the chat. I dare say that one or two of you will be popping by momentarily. Um, but, mate, I've busted out something decent tonight, I think. Uh, it's called oh, Grains wow. of Paradise, Charles Melton, uh, a Shiraz from the Barossa. There you go. Wow. Oh, mate, mate that would knock your socks off, that one. Well, look at that. It's even red. It's probably at the right temperature. Is it in a plastic yeah. glass? Uh, it is in a plastic glass. Um, oh, I was in a bit of a hurry, so I didn't get your good glasses. But I, I knew you'd fucking ask that. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! You look a little bit windswept there, mate. What's um, mate. what's been going on? Have you had a day out of the office? You're making me look very anemic. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do. Um, uh, Donna dialed into the old uh, Wealth Coffee Chat this morning. Donna, welcome, welcome to the Wine and Wisdom Top and Tail today. But yeah, I went out for uh, a quick. Hit a golf with a uh, good buddy of ours, mate, John O'Rolly, and oh, um, it was windy and sunny. I think I've even got a little bit of um, a glow going on from the mate, from the sun, do. but uh, it was awesome. <laughs> but so, one, uh, one would wonder whether there was a romance going on there, mate. You look, you're glowing. <laughs> you're glowing. <laughs> That's I'm what glowing. a good day on the golf course does. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, Chris is in the house. Afternoon to you, mate. We've got Jeanette. Donna, Donna's uh, Donna's on the wine also. Yeah, grab yourself a glass of wine. I think that's the uh, that's the afternoon of choice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got uh, we've we got Sharon. Sharon's all the way from. Oh, she's a... Shep- Are you in Shepherd and Sharon? Yeah. Oh, the Shep or uh, down Anglesey way. Down Anglesey, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we've got uh, who we got in? Oh, we got a f- few few uh, in the house, which is good. Joel, how are you, mate? Joel. Day, mate. Seneth, Alexis, Graham, and so, uh, Gabrielle. No wine, but a beer will do. Well, yep, indeed. <laughs> a, a beer will do, Kelly. And How Kelly. Well, it's, it's a bit yeah. early for Kelly, mate. Um, so, Kelly, hopefully you're, <laughs> you're, you're maybe onto a coffee there, maybe in WA. <laughs> oh, there you go. Sharon's driving down to Anglesey. Well, mate, Thank big you. show ahead. Big show ahead uh, today. Mate, and, so you'd be drinking um, in the morning if you were watching the news these days, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, the pace of uh, mayhem is uh, certainly winding up out there and uh, plenty going on. And uh, today, folks, we're going to be uh, diving into a few things. I, I've, I've loaded up my my uh, my bits and pieces tonight, Andy, so uh, might have to do a version two of this, uh, the, right. the first – the first one and the second one, but you never know. Uh, I've been uh, I've been uh, gathering a bit of information in the last week, but I know you and I have been chatting about uh, what's been going on, folks. But uh, while we uh, while we get things uh, lined up and and ready, uh, you guys know a bit of this wealth, wine, and wisdom. We do uh, what's in the news. It's kind of the show. Andy and I have been chatting Fridays. Over a glass of wine, debriefing the week, trying to make some sense of uh, our world, property, investing, uh, and business, Andy, business and the world of the share market and uh, finance in general. And uh, it's a bit of a confusing time, has been for a couple of years. We started it 
when the COVID landed and uh, it is, has continued. So great to see all of you guys dialed in for the, the weekly debrief. And um, it kind of goes roughly like this, kind of goes roughly like this. Uh, what's in the news? Uh, maybe there'll be some things you should know if we get to that and uh, some questions. So if you have questions, certainly give us a shout out in the chat, folks, and let us know if you uh, you got something that you think we should try and cover today um, as we go along. Have I missed anything, Andy? Kicking the show. No, off. no, but just whack the questions in nice and early because if we get them in early, we'll we'll try and cover them in the context of, of what we're going through right now. And no doubt many of you have got a lot of questions. Any of you who still tune into mainstream media uh, have probably got a whole lot of questions ready to to ask right about now, or or maybe you're too scared to ask them. But uh, but that means they're the perfect <laughs> ones to ask right about now because. Uh, the whole point of this is, uh, I think these days, Jace, we started it to to try and demystify all of the rules and regulations and the panic that was coming in with the uh, the the, the G, uh, not the GFC. Chief is going back a little bit in time. But <laughs> showing your pan- age now, Andy. Showing your age. <laughs> when the, when the pa- pandemic started, but I, I think I show my age just by showing up, really. But uh, <laughs> we we started it with the with, with with dissecting what was going on in markets during the middle of the. Uh, uh, the COVID pandemic, but ultimately, really now, what we're doing is is trying to dissect uh, the fear mongering that's going on on the day to day basis and try and cut through what you're hearing from uh, the people that you shouldn't trust, uh, and trying to bring some logic to the table and uh, and and rather than clickbait journalism, we're trying to get you to turn off the channel of the garbage that's probably going to make you want to slit your wrists. Uh, and start to get some perspectives on, you know, information that you can use practically in the world uh, for you, your family, and uh, and your friends. So, uh, uh, yeah. with that in mind, hey, why don't you sure. kick it off? Because I know you've organised something here. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got you're lining something up there. But Melinda's having a nice red while you're getting yourself ready, and uh, Jared's uh, Jared's on a beer. So, good on you. Thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, we've got a couple of questions rolling in, but mate, what have you got? I know. You and I were chatting a little bit off camera. Um, let's get into the show and well, uh, let's get well, fencing I up there. we'd uh, reiterate, wow, look at me. Look at the size of me, Jace. I'm massive. <laughs> I've just blown up. I don't know what's going on, but I'm happy with it. Um, but uh, So we introduced a little bit of a new section, Who Not to Trust, uh, and um, the same culprits uh, are on our list. I'm, I've got some stuff on rate hikes and stuff like that, but uh, we had a little bit of pop at, uh, at, at Christopher last week. Um, I'm going to have a further pop at him, mate. Because and so just <laughs> just to wrap this up, uh, and classic, you know, fear mongering headlines. If you read the rest of the article, the rest of the article is actually not too bad. So I will say that uh, the challenge is that most journalists actually know, and most newspapers know that most people don't even get past the first paragraph. Yeah. So what they do is they digest literally thirty or forty seconds. And so this was the part that I really had um, some serious issue with. Um, some of the most aggressive interest rate hikes in the world. In the world, Jason. So last week we battle-tested that with interest rates with the rest of the world and we compared it with just three other places. One would call them majorly you know, insignificant places like the US, uh, like Europe and the UK. Uh, and we, we found that that statement was not just wrong but absurdly wrong and, and, and anyway... <laughs> So I thought, let's let's not stand on ceremony, Jace. Let's get let's dig a little bit further. So what I did is Zoom I did into a little those, bit of, Andy. Oh yeah, I yeah. Did, there you go. 
I did a little bit of a further investigation. So what we're looking at here, so uh, just I'm not just going to have pops at uh, at journalists, but that's one of our favourite things to do around here is uh, those people who, <laughs> who 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 put false news out there, which tend to be politicians and now journalists, uh, two people not to trust, also up there with uh, uh, economists. But um, so thought I'd just have a look and go, well, we, we looked at the major countries, Jace, but let's have a look at the whole world. Let's have a look at everybody in the world. Yeah, well, maybe they were talking about just, you know, somewhere else, not the US or the, you know, the main ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a big, big cross-section of people out there. So the most aggressive rate hikes in the world. Just So let's have a look at where Australia sits in comparison to the rest of the world with how aggressive we are with raising interest rates. And, and the reason why we're saying this is because we kind of want to bring some some stability to the argument. When you see a sensationalist headline which says we're raising interest rates faster than the rest of the world, well, Jason, one thing that should be happening is if we were raising interest rates so bloody quickly, our dollar, our dollar should be going through the roof. So why yeah. isn't it going through the roof? I'll get to that a little bit later on because mostly the people who are making these wild accusations are full of shit, Jason. <laughs> so let's have a look. So on the, on the right-hand side here, and you can't quite see it, uh, but it's just here that says change. So it's, there's dates because all of the different uh, reserve banks of the world or federal, uh, federal reserves, basically the, um, the, the central banks of the world, they have different dates that they meet. And so I've tried to line these up as best as I possibly can. Uh, and these are the, the months because it's the US uh, form. So the months is first and the day is second. So tried to line these up as best as I possibly can. Some of them don't meet monthly. So this is the best possible example I can give, but it tells a pretty conspe- compelling story, Jase. Um, so if we were to be in the most aggressive rate hikes uh, in the world, um, well, let's have a look at the least aggressive. At the moment, we've got uh, Switzerland leading the way as the least arrest, uh, aggressive rate hikes in the world. So, uh, Which means that they're, they're dropping interest rates. Yeah. Well, uh, sorry, there are some. So all of the green are going in the opposite yeah. direction. Yeah, right? going in the opposite direction. Right. Okay, so yeah. All okay. the red. So I'm yeah. not going to address the green right now because they're kind of a different different proposal. Uh, different, different, kettle of fish. different things <laughs> yep. going on over there. But yep. uh, everybody who is actually dropping rates. So we've got uh, the, one of the, the, the lowest rate drops we've seen uh, is is actually the Swiss, right? So they're they're the most conservative of the bunch. Uh, one might even say uh, European interest rates ECB uh, flatlining at zero is probably joining them, right? And uh, and then we've got as we go through here, we've got Swedish, uh, and the Swedes actually went through the whole pandemic pretty damn well. Like they fared pretty damn well throughout the whole pandemic. They, they had some interesting policies. Um, is uh, Israel, which is known, Jason, as one of the the most vaccinated places in the world, was I'm not sure. Didn't if it's know that. Is, but it was certainly there you go. Learn something um, every day, even at Wine and Wisdom. Hey? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure whether that's true, Jason. It was true. Uh, I'm not sure whether that it still is true. It was it was true about uh, probably about six months ago. Um, so they're they're one of the slowest in raising the Norwegians. Love the Norwegians. Uh, fantastic! Got the, one of the highest taxes on alcohol in the in the for, in the in the in the Western world. Uh, but geez, they still know how to drink. I can tell you what they make their own mo- moonshine. You you can increase the taxes on alcohol, but you can't stop the consumption, Jason. That's that's 
That's the, the story. Uh, that. If there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> See, if, if there's a distillery, there, there, there's a way. <laughs> and look at this, Jace. Look at that. We're, we're actually here. We're actually here. So we're, we're actually. Have we got some more to go yet, Andy? Like, I mean, that oh, doesn't mate, look we're, like we're, the highest in the world, by the way. Um, but we're, no. we're only just getting started. And I had to, I had to <laughs> cull this graph in order to get some context in there. So let's let's start. Let's go to the opposite side of the. Oh, page. my Lord. <laughs> right? Yeah, okay. Uh, we're a long way away. Yeah. We're, Brazil raised interest rates uh, from the 15th of the 6th by 13.25%. One might say that would be one of the most aggressive rate hikes Ooh. in the world, Jason. Um, and so maybe, maybe, and, and I could be wrong here, maybe what, what uh, our mate Chris was trying to say was uh, Brazil, <laughs> Brazil with some of the, uh, the most aggressive rate hikes in the world. It was a world. typo, Andy. It was a typo. It, it was a typo. a typo, Jason. So, so we must get the fact checkers in there. We've got, we've got Russia in there. Uh, interestingly enough, we've got uh, we've got Hungary, we've got Mexico, we've got Indonesia, we've got Poland. Um, that's uh, for for obvious reasons. Uh, the the Czech Republic. Uh, we've got India. We've got uh, South Africa. We've got New Zealand. We spoke about New Zealand last last week. Yeah, and, and yeah. New Zealand is uh, is certainly having some challenges in that space. Uh, so we've got Saudi Saudi Arabia, we've got the uh, Bank of Korea, we've got Canada, mate. There is a plethora, right? When it when it comes to, and I know I'm I'm having a bit of fun here, but <laughs> uh, but let's get real. I mean, um, we are pragmatically raising interest rates uh, based on uh, inflation, and if you have a look at us globally, Jace. Uh, we're actually in the bottom as, as far as interest rate rises are concerned. So, um, and, and so, I think you were, you were telling, you were talking about like we're actually quite low when it comes to inflation in reality compared to a lot of other countries as well. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like where everybody is 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 uh, is suffering from inflationary worries at the moment and concerns. And and as we said last week, you know, some of this is going to be transitory. Uh, which is the effect of you know ports having to reopen. Like w- when you stop an economy, when you stop the shipping channels, there's a whole logistical operation that's got to get back up to speed. The pumps have got to start working. The ships have got to start travelling, and that logistics doesn't just re. It can get stopped overnight. We never thought it could, but it, it almost did. But it doesn't remobilise overnight. Right? That's not how it works. It takes time. And we're, we've got the Russian influence with uh, Ukraine, which has obviously uh, inflated the challenges and, and, and made them significantly larger. Uh, but ultimately, uh, when, it, when we have a look at the inflationary environment at the moment, we have got major things that are transitory, which, which means that they're here today, but they will likely be suppressed in the future. And we went into bond yields last week, which shows that there is actually downward pressure on the on the five year and the ten year bond yields, and partly that is because the market is basically saying um, that 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 it believes that some of these inflationary pressures are going to be relieved as the ports start to produce more, um, as the rest of the world starts to produce more of what is not being produced by Russia right now. And I guess the last thing that I'll say to this is, 
in the world, there's not necessarily one place. And we saw this with oil uh, coming into uh, coming into COVID times. And I think we did a wine and wisdom about it, where there was shale oil, there was the the, the Arabs, and there was there was a lot of political tension between the US and Arab oil. And ultimately, what happened was they shut off the tanks and they said, "Deal with this." Now, what happened is a very short, uh, sorry, a very aggressive uh, spike in prices, uh, very very quickly. But then, the three month, what ended up happening is they switched their operations on. They got more uh, more of the resources that were sitting dormant in America and the rest of the world started churning the engines, and then you know three four months later it normalized again and we all forgot about it. And so it's not that energy only comes from Russia and food only comes from Russia, but the world becomes reliant on that being a source. And it takes time to change from one to another. Yeah, it does. And that, you know, these are the things that we need to understand that it's not the end of the world, but it does have an effect and how we think about this, how we conceptualise it and how we look into the future with these things needs to be done with consideration of will will that economy be allowed to distribute back and what will the world then start to actually distribute that will bridge that gap? What it looks like. Well, I mean, think, I think Donna said it uh, very nicely here, mate. I think it comes with age in the game, you know, some years in the game, taking a bit of experience, not worried about, you know, the short-term things more than you should be worried, you know, like, okay, well, you know, if you've got a mortgage and the, 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 the cost is going to go up, you need to make sure you can afford that and, you know, tighten the belt a little bit or make sure you've got your buffers set aside or whatever that looks like, Andy. Like quickly just reference for everyone listening in, you're talking about, you know, five-year and 10-year and 30-year bond values and things like this. Disconnect the dots for those listening in what does that mean to us for interest rates? Because, you know, basically it says, all right, well, if the market's forecasting that, you know, this, then there's kind of an extrapolation of, all right, there's a margin on top of a cash rate or a bond rate or whatever whatever it means and means kind of the interest rates would probably be around this, you know, talk about that. So when we uh, – it's, it's gin and – it's gin – <laughs> it's wealth, gin, and wisdom here. So, hello. That could be a Marie right there. Uh, I reckon hiding. that's Marie just jumping in there. Uh, the, 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 the gin, 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 wine, and wisdom uh, with no wealth hello. associated. Hello, Alison. Alison, uh, good to have you in. Uh, so, it, it's funny, isn't it, Jace? Because what we pay attention to uh, quite often determines, you know, the quality of our happiness in life, mm. uh, and. And then how we perceive how things are moving forward, and mostly when when it comes to interest rates and when it comes to you know financially, most people actually look at this right. And I'm just going to flash it up for a tick. But the Reserve oh, yeah. Bank cash rate, right? So, and we spoke about this last week. But the the Reserve Bank cash rate is is the only right. Well, not the only, but basically the, in the terms of what we view. Uh, in financial markets terms and what gets publicised, how often do you hear about the 10-year? Let me ask a different question. How often do you hear about the five-year or the 10-year government bond rate on the news? Uh, well, 
I, I don't hear it at all, actually. <laughs> I've never. I'm, well, I'm honest, pretty sure that none of them actually know what the hell it is. But they're they're, they're pretty <laughs> they're pretty good at commentating on the cash rate. And then I yeah. bet you if you actually said there, uh, uh, Mr. Channel Nine News Presenter or Mrs. Channel Nine News Presenter, uh, so how does that relate to the ten year bond yield? They go, uh, time for a commercial. Is it? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll trade a commercial on interest rates. <laughs> what are you talking about again? You know, Chris, Chris is saying, never, never heard it, never heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they focus on the one rate that is actually dictated in the market, right? We spoke about this last week, and I think that it's good to go back over it. Yeah, what well, you're the, saying the cash person decides it, right? Not the market. Person yeah, decides. One, yes, yeah. yes. Or a, or a group of people, the Reserve yeah. Bank sets the interest rate. They determine, they go, we're going to raise the cash rate by 0.5% and likely the next one will be 0.5%. Why do I say likely? Uh, rate hikes today, we had a percent, half a percent, 0.7% uh, in some of the major uh, areas around the world. I'll get to that a little bit later. So, But the thing is that we live, breathe and get fearful over the, the cash rate and ultimately that that's what the government sets. But the rest of these things like the three-year government bond rate, which we've got here, uh, the 10-year government or the five-year and the 10-year government bond rate, right, these are all market set, right? So this is set by institutions. What does that mean, though, Andy? Yeah, yeah, like what does market set mean? So this is, uh, this is where the, everybody, so everybody plays in this market, right? So it's a market move you, where... Move yourself over that way a bit. Move your... Pip, pip over yeah, here. There you go. Look at you there go. You go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty quick. Fenton, I, can, I can be anywhere. Ba-boom. Ba-boom. <laughs> Fenton, where is he? <laughs> so ultimately when uh, this is what we call uh, a market, market decides the rate, Jason. And so it's let's call it the general consensus of everybody who is trading in the market. Yeah. Right. If they believe that the mar- they're paying too much, they won't bid on it, which means mm. that it'll put downward pressure on the bidding price, just the same as real estate, right? Yes. Somebody doesn't just come in and say, this property is worth $2 million. There is a, a group of people quite often and in a good market, there's lots of them which will converge on an auction and they will set what they believe a fair price for that is over that period. Yep. And more emotion gets involved in that, to be fair. Um, in the business world, the, the bond rate is, is a bit more pragmatic than that. Yes. But ultimately, the same concept is true. There is a market of people that come together and they go, well, how much, if we're going to lend money out into the market, how much are we going to pay, you know, in order, or if, if we're going to uh, borrow money from the market, how much are we going to pay? And the, the person who's lending the money is going to sit there and go, well, how risky are you? And ultimately, the more money that you're trying to borrow, the more risky you are the greater mm. economic instability that exists in the country, the greater risk you are. And yes. so the market then determines what the long-term interest rate should be on a 10-year government bond, right? And so this, this is what I mean by market determined, is in the actual market determines what is the fair rate. And so the market looks at, it looks at inflationary data. The market looks a long-term into the future, Right, because when you make a business decision, Jason, your business, do you make it for the next week? No, I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm making decisions for ten years. I've got a ten year goal in my business right now, and that's that's how we plan in business, isn't it? We have to make yep. decisions every day, but we don't make decisions that are for the end of the week or the end of the month or the end of the year. We have to manage 
the the process of what goes on over that period of time the same way people have to manage their finances you're making decisions on maybe a, a quarterly basis and you have to strategically shift at times but ultimately you're looking at a 10 15 20 year time horizon that you should be investing and that's how we do in business and globally when businesses are looking at borrowing you know minimum value on these bonds $100,000 they're mm. looking and a lot of data, and it gets set by the market based on what the market believes is happening. And uh, and, and and the 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 market pool is like quite large. It's not like two people. It could be and and you know it could be many millions of eyeballs and data points. Like and we're talking that. of hundreds of billions of dollars worth of yeah. cash flow, trillions yeah. of dollars worth of cash flow in, in right. bond markets. So so now link that to the everyday person, Andy, to an interest rate I'm paying on my mortgage. Like, like do the full circle for us here. Like connect connect the dot. Connect the dot, not collect the dot. <laughs> let's not collect. Yeah, connect, connect the, the real dots and let's not create unicorns. Uh, so ultimately, like when you have a look at, so if we have a look at the 10-year, the, the basically what it's saying, right, is that the market is saying that right now, if they are going to buy a 10-year government bond, they're going to want to pay about 3.5%. They're going to want to yield if they're going to buy one. They're going to yep. want a, an investment return. Think of it as like a really long-term deposit. Right? If you want a 10-year term deposit, then you're, you're going to want 3.5% because that's what the market is determining a fair interest risk yep. right? for, for the next 10 years. Um, but the thing to note here is that it's been gradually going up, and what the what the journalists and and what the a lot of the market commentary, which is clickbait, will have you believe is that this is going to be a hockey stick curve, which means it's just going to keep going up. But you can see, and I'll, I might see if I can just uh, delete some of this here. But uh, you can actually see that the rates are starting to come down. Right, you can see how they've they've shot up above four percent and they've aggressively come down. Now, one would argue that the reason why this has come down is because certain commodity prices, certain food prices have actually stabilized as markets have started to turn around. And what that means is that the market is now looking at that and going, Well, perhaps oil's not gonna stay at seven billion dollars a barrel. Um, <laughs> you know, and perhaps, you know, wheat is going to normalize a little bit. Yes, Russia's still a problem, but the the world is an ecosystem and it tends to find a way. It'll and find so, a way. It'll it'll stop getting it from there. It'll get it from somewhere else. I don't know. Whoever grows wheat is going to now get new contracts, and that'll take twelve months to kick in, and then it's good. Yeah, like and short term, it creates horrific disturbances in the market. Yes. We, we saw uh, we saw oil going over to Europe at one point in time, uh, and it was almost a hundred times. Uh, sorry, it was ten times. It was 10 times the cost of the month before, 10 times for a ship of oil, 10 times, literally for about a month. Like there was a massive spike. I, I might see if I can find it later on, but it normalized very quickly. And that's, there was a massive amount of demand. There was no supply. So people would pay ridiculous prices for it. Now, the world will start to normalize on some of these more scarce uh, commodity items, which means that all other things being equal, it should put downward pressure, right? Downward pressure on some of these inflationary markers, which means that inflation, yes, we might be looking at 9% inflation right now, 
But is it likely that we're looking at 16% inflation in six months' time? No. Like the market is not dictating that. The market is saying that we expect the next six to 12 months to be uh, you know, reasonably uh, turbulent as far as inflation is concerned, but they believe that longer-term inflation will actually start to normalise. And the reason why we, we predict that is because the 10-year bond yields are actually coming down rather than going up. Because if you, and, they believe and linking that, those 10-year bond yields, Andy, to investors who buy and sell money, right, so then these bond yields then often are used for institutions, e.g. banks and lending institutions, to then use folks as security, whatever it is, for lending other people money. So if you bought money, tell us in the chat right now, if you bought money at, let's say, what is it, what are we calling it, Any 3.5%, you bought money and your cost for 10 years is 3.5%, folks, all right? What would you sell? What If you owned money at 3.5%, if you owned $100 million at 3.5%, what would you want to sell it for percentage-wise over the next 10 years? Tell us right now in the chat like because this is the game, right, Andy? Like, So the bonds are kind of like a version of, hey, people are buying and selling money at a certain number. Governments do it. Banks do it. Large, like, like. Every like a lot of big institutions and, and things do it. You can buy it at three point five percent. What would you sell it at, folks? Put that in the chat for me. What what margin would you want to make? <laughs> or what or more more importantly, what do you reckon you could make on it? You know? And Chris is saying, all right, five to you know, five point five to six percent. And that's probably about right. Price is going all right. Well, I'll I'll um I'll sell it at three point eight five, and this is really interesting. This is what happens in the market, right, Andy? Like, so 100%. if you buy it, if you buy it, then you've got people buying it at the same price, but their cost and want to sell it at a different price happens, and this is how you get pricing and interest rates in the marketplace. Um, it's kind of like people believe that there is a lot more risk. They're going to want a lot more. Of a, they're going to yeah. want a higher interest rate in order to invest their money. Right. And so Bryce is going to lend it to people who want a 70% loan on their own home and they're putting 30% cash in. But Chris is saying, hey, listen, I'm happy to lend it 5.5%, but the people who I'm going to lend that to might, might be high risk, 95% lending per se for a real estate investor, you know, um, and I needed a mortgage insurance on the top of that to double my protection. And that's how I can sell that money at 6% where Bryce is going, well, hang on, I'm not going to take that risk at 95%. So it, it's a re- like, it's Wait, it's actually – Chris is going, I'm going to chuck some LMI on that one. <laughs> well, LMI is the big rot, I think. I think, the, I think lenders' mortgage insurance is the big bloody scam in the world of finance. But anyway, like, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> But effectively, the, it, what we're looking at is the difference between what rates are right now, um, yes. where they're expected to be in five years. And so you can make some pretty simple calculations based if you look at the long-term market, but this doesn't create headlines. Because if they no. said, we expect that uh, over the next five years, there might be a bit of noise in the market, but we expect over the next five years that the cash rate's going to be at 3%. Uh, do you think that that's going to create headlines? Well, you know, no, it won't. It won't, it won't sell headlines at all. 
It certainly won't that, be the most aggressive uh, hikes in the world. <laughs> absolutely not. Oh, God. We, <laughs> look, the beauty about the bond market at the moment, and, and this is a massive can of worms because it seemed you think that it's easy, but it's actually not. Bonds are quite complicated, but they're a love mm. of mine. But you can go uh, now because the problem over the last two, three years is you couldn't get cash. Like cash, as you said, Jace was trash. You couldn't get cash at a decent interest rate. Now you can get really good interest rates on cash around the world in different places. You can get a four yeah. five percent cash return, right? For for taking reasonable risks with that money. Um, so that's the benefit of interest rates actually going up, which is kind of ironic because you know one of the headlines could read um, interest rates go up, and finally pensioners can actually get a reasonable return on their money without taking as much risk. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's actually a very true statement. Like now in the advice world, we're starting to look back at bonds and we're going, well, look, we, we can actually, we can invest in some of this. We can put 20% in the portfolio at 3.5% over the next five years. And if we're getting that, that's not too bad. We'll take a bit of risk in other areas. Um, so there's there's really good benefit for this on in, in other areas it's, and mm. also within business. Right, because ultimately in business you needed to spend the cash pretty quickly. Right, you wanted to spend the cash pretty quickly because if you're earning point point one percent on your cash, well, it's and inflation's running at two or three percent as it was. Well, your money's going backwards by two and a half percent per annum just yep. by sitting it there. So you're forced to mobilise it, which creates inflationary pressure, which puts upward pressure on interest rates and. And now we're in a very typical cycle of where we were. And in my belief, you know, markets operate quite efficiently with, uh, you know, a 3 to 5% uh, cash rate. Yeah. In and around yep. there uh, is quite efficient for markets. It's not too much uh, for investing. It's not too much for business. Uh, but it tends to uh, overshoot either which way. But either if you were way. to start leading with it, there's a going, uh, there must be a lot of relief around the pensioners. Uh, because all of a sudden now we can actually get a reasonable return on our money and we don't have to take well, I was gonna, I was gonna, I, I was going to ask about that, Andy. So you say, all right, okay, cash is up. However, for the moment, inflation's up too. So, you know, what's what's going on there? Like talk talk to that because, yeah, all right, well, cash returns up. Okay, I can buy a bond and I can get 3.5% for my cash, which, you know, two years ago was point, you know, half a percent, which was rubbish. Um, but then I'm like, oh, well, Andy, isn't, isn't inflation 7% and isn't it still cash is trash? But um, you and I were chatting, it's not, inflation's not everywhere, right? So, um, you know, what does that look like? I mean, this is a big, big question, right? But, and <laughs> because it comes down to how much of it's transitory inflation and how much yeah. of it is actually uh, is here to stay. And there's parts of it that, that are kind of here to stay. Um, you, let, let, let's ask this to everybody out there and I'll, I'll come back around. Uh, how do I phrase the question? Uh, where do you think the greatest sources of inflation, meaning price increase, the, the, that are hitting your pocket, all right, your pocket, yeah, outside of interest rates, <clears throat> what is hitting your pocket harder than anything else? Uh, what sectors? You know, is it? What what you know, what product or what sector is is costing you the most? 
yeah, is it yeah. is it milk? Is it food? Is it uh, petrol? Is it you know energy? Is it building? What 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 are the areas that are that are hurting you most right now? Whack it into the chat. I'd be really interested uh, to know what they are. Well, and- well, while we're waiting on that, we've got a few. Let's let's. I've I've done a quick survey. We've got Joel on the margaritas. Um, (laughs) we've got we've got marie on the gin uh we've got uh, we've got um we've got uh uh melinda on the uh the reds with us good work melinda and um i think we had a few people on the beers no one on the white anyone on the white this afternoon um give us a shout out uh as we roll along but uh I, i i i thought i saw someone on the beers there before but anyway we did. I think it was Dan Andrews, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> Dan, Dan, there we go. Jared. Jared's on the beer. All right, there we go. The we got, we got oh, a good cross-section. It, it wasn't Dan. It was Jared. Oh, we got and someone else on the Shiraz here joining me on the Shiraz. Well, we've got a few um, answers in. So we've got here um, – we've got a fair few, actually. We've got fuel and energy from Julie. Uh, we've got electricity and fuel from Allison. Fuel from Chris. It's like how too too much driving. Yeah, bloody hell, diesel costing a lot. Groceries, uh, insurance. Um, there we go. No, Energy an from one. Bryce. Yep, a Deb insurance. Yeah, actually, some of our insurances for body corporates and, and stratas have been ludicrous. Uh, well, Donna, um, building and renovations. Joe, diesel, fuel from Deb. Yeah, so there you go. Oh, someone's on the rosé. We've got rosé going on. Uh, Alison's on the protein <laughs> shake. <laughs> Good work. And we've got someone on the white. Uh, we've got, there you go. What's a, what's a Euro white anyway? I think we're getting distracted here. <laughs> a Euro white. <laughs> that, that almost sounds like a topic that we're not allowed to uh, touch. It's, 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 not, it's not cash is trash in there anywhere, is there? Um, uh, there you go. So it, it's really interesting because... Some of these we would venture to say a transitory inflation, right? Because, and again, yep. transitory meaning for whatever reason, supply chains have stopped that from being able to get here, but those supply chains will normalize, uh, right? And so fuel is a classic example, right? Some of the pipe, major pipelines are uh, being closed down because what happens is, is, is Russia was actually quite instrumental for a lot of energy getting through to Europe. Right, and so a lot of talking energy, energy. We're talking fuel, like we're talking oil, Andy. Like, is that so? We're talking, you know, kind of it, it well, encompasses. And, yeah. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of twist a few knobs here, uh, because <laughs> when we uh, that, that didn't sound yeah. good, did it? I shouldn't no. be drinking. <laughs> so I, I, I can't compose myself, Jason. Um, right. So, so Russia and oil. Russia. There are two different types of when when we talk about energy. There's there's a couple of major factors that, that come into play in this. Uh, in Australia, some of the reason for uh, higher energy costs is is a degree of fixing by state and federal government. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not transitory. Right. When when governments get uh, involved in sectors, and for the last four or five years, some of the major and the major components of inflation have been fixed costs based on government setting rates, right? And, government and, setting rates, which may yeah. – and, and up until just recently, the, one, the, the key cause of inflation in the system was had nothing to do – in, in Australia, had nothing to do with commercial 
free markets. And what I mean by, you know, markets determine their own reality. Uh, it was actually what we call fixed cost inflation. And fixed cost inflation is basically government dictated pricing. That, that's another way of saying it. Right. So, yeah, yeah, the, the Queensland government, oh, is that Threaves uh, or maybe a variation <laughs> of that? Uh, anonymous yeah. user. Um, <laughs> well, we, we might talk about that in a minute. They, yeah, they, they're having a crack at land tax. But anyway, like, it's fixed oh, pricing. And, and also, it's almost like um, I heard this term and I'm, I'm going to sort of hack it, but, you know, it's like zombie pricing, Andy. Like governments forcing, you know, let's say, you know, taxation onto the market. The market's like, hang on, the free market would never pitch it. It's forced on the market. And that's, yeah, yeah. So what we have is we've got some forced market uh, inflation, which comes from the government subsidy, and then we've got some potentially transitory stuff, which is in especially in fuel, oil uh, at the moment. Be, and I, I'll bring a graph in next week about fuel because literally the the supply chains and, and fuel transports around the world is quite amazing. Um, the only thing that I think is more amazing than the way that fuel gets transported around the world is how fucking water gets transported around the world. Like, hey, hey, how you, Jason, end up with a bottle of Italian water just blows uh, my mind because the amount of fuel that it takes to get it from there to here, it's out of, out of control. But fuel gets transported around the world and when that supply chain gets disrupted, um, fuel prices can go through the roof and we saw mm-hmm. them absolutely go astronomical. Now, when we're talking about this, we're talking about uh, gas and we're talking about crude oil. Yeah. Right. And so when those supply chains shut down based on COVID uh, port stopping, then that slowdown has created a mass disruption. Right. Now, we're feeling the effects and it's always lagged. And the reason why it's lagged is because most companies have things called forward rate contracts, which basically Mm, means that today I fixed my costs for what I'm buying. Uh, they usually fix them like 12, 18 months, six months, 12, 18 months. Yeah, yeah. Correct, right? Because they've they've got to know that they can keep all of their talent employed over the next year. So they need to know that if they're going to buy oil in 12 months' time, that it's got to be at this rate, right? Because that's the rate that they're going to budget the next 12 months' worth of expenses on. Yep. Very, yep. very key to the markets. Tell, key to the markets. Those of you who want to learn, uh, let us know if you want to learn about uh, futures markets and forward rate agreements. Uh, if you'd like to, to, to learn, whack it in the chat and um, I'll give you an incredible resource where you can start to watch it. It's, it's extraordinarily entertaining. Uh, you might remember the movie, uh, Jason. <laughs> do, do, I think it was called Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Mortimer, uh, we're back. Mortimer, we're back. <laughs> we're, we're back. Um, and uh, it's, it, it actually, it's a great movie that t- talks to you about, yes, Alison wants to know, Bryce wants to know. Trading Places, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd. It was about pork belly uh, and orange pork juice. Pork belly futures, futures mate. Yeah, that, yeah that's right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I love um, it. So, but it's a great movie that sort of teaches you about these things. But so, what ends up happening with this transitory uh, inflation is that uh, when oil prices go up, it doesn't hit the market straight away because the companies have already got locked in prices, right? So, this what what is called the spot price, and the spot price is what we can buy it for today. Yes, right. 
doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to pay for at the Bowser, right? When you fill your cat, when you fill your car up, that will actually transfer into several months to twelve months down into the future. So that effect and businesses get smart in between there and there, right? They they can control and manipulate a little bit of that over time and try and decrease the costs. Government, they generally don't decrease their slice of the pie, but the Liberals did uh, pre-election, right? Um, But ultimately, what ends up happening, spot price of the cost of oil comes down. So the cost of oil goes up, six to 12 months later, we feel it at the pump. Cost Mm. of oil comes down, six to 12 months later, we feel it at the pump. Yeah, right? and that's what we're seeing right now is where like oil prices are still quite high. Um, they they spiked extraordinarily high. They then normalised, uh, and and it lo- and 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 starting to trend in in a sort of a downward trajectory. Food, wheat prices starting to do the same thing. They've come off. Everyone thought that they were going to shoot for the moon, but they've they've come off. They've stabilised right in the market at the moment. And what this means is. Then when we bring it back to interest rates, the market's going, okay, well, oil prices aren't going to the moon. Uh, food prices aren't going to the moon. So therefore, uh, inflation's not going to continue to keep going up and skyrocketing out of control for the next five to 10 years. And as a result, we're not going to pay 20% for a 10-year government bond. That's yeah, we're not going to. Yeah, we're we not believe gonna... that short term there's going to be significant amount of turbulence, but longer term it'll actually sort itself out, sort and that's that's how this longer term relationship with money actually works. And those people who are looking at you know investments in stocks which are priced daily, investments in houses which are priced, they're trying daily, to price them bloody. They're trying to price them. At- like monthly now, which is ludicrous, but yeah. We, we need to realistically, and, and this is where it used to be five or ten years ago, and I, I actually love a song, uh, Wear Sunscreen, that, that a mate of ours, Kerwin, <laughs> plays uh, and actually did his own rendition of, which wasn't too bad. Tag us on that one. <laughs> and, and it talks about how, you know, back in my, it was always when, 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 when you look back, at the world as you grow old, you always think that when, when my dad was younger, you know, politicians were, were more honest, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you have this belief that things were a little bit more utopian uh, back in the day. But what we have now is we've got sensationalist type of news presenters where back in the day people actually reported a little bit more on the facts. That's my belief. I think that nowadays people are trying to grab attention so they, they put clickbait headlines out there. And what we need to do in this forum and what we need to do as investors is, is actually start to re-educate ourselves on the stuff that's been around for a very, very, very long time. And, Jace, you and I have a, um, a saying. Uh, it's not ours, but we say that, you know, history doesn't repeat itself. Yeah. But it's an incredible mimic. Uh, and ultimately what we need to do is kind of go, we have been in some way, shape or form here before. Uh, and you know, post World War Two is a is a really good example of remobilization of trade. Um, so there's lots well, of parts think- of what we're going through that we've been through before. We've been through before, and you know, ultimately, Andy, when you when you look through some of the you know, let's call it the logistics of these conversations, the foundation of all of it is based in in on humans, people, emotion, 
emotions. Like, you know, and we're like, nah, like for the moment, maybe I'm a bit un bit uncertain, but you know what? I'm not gonna sit around moping forever. No, no, fuck it, I'll get back to it, right? Like, so you know, sometimes there's a shock and and it's like, all right, is it the emotional shock of the marketplace is just going, whoa, what does this look like? Like pause. Or is it is it fundamental structural? Do you know what I mean? And ninety percent of it is emotional pause, kind of human behaviour. Well, my belief on uh, where most people, unless you're a business owner, and this journey happens a little bit differently, but most people have never ever had as much wealth as they have the day after tomorrow, and then the day after tomorrow, and then the day after tomorrow, right? And so there's most people end up going through life with more and more and more and more and more to lose and a lot of effort that's been spent in the past that is attached to the accumulation of that wealth. The reason why I say business owners can sometimes be a little bit different is sometimes we can make it, lose it, make it, lose it, make it, lose it, and we get used to a fairly volatile journey. We go up and down. Well, look at that, Andy. Right now in the Australian marketplace, you know, Australian wealth has never been higher, $14 trillion dollars like trillion dollars you know um as uh <laughs> well, you know, this this is the thing because the headlines say that um god i wish i had the slide actually but uh the headlines say that uh we've never been in more debt than we have ever uh but which is actual rubbish <laughs> but it's true because there's more well, money in circulation than there ever has been by a factor depending on which point in time i mean they just printed a trillion dollars and put it into the system, but well, it's yeah. relative. It's but, how much wealth. Debt is well, only a relative it, it's measure. It's relative on percentage too, Andy. It's really interesting. Um, and I, I like, oh, I don't know if I've got it right now because I won't be able to pull it up. But um, the relative debt. So the the percentages. So dollar terms, yes. But um, are Australians owning less of their real estate in my in my neck of the woods? And the answer is no. So um, the census came out just recently, 2021, and um, and uh, I'm just trying to grab something here for us all. But um, uh, the the ownership, like the debt free ownership of real estate, uh, has not changed as a percentage um, much at all from last time we did the censorship to this time when it comes to debt and uh, owning real estate. Uh, I can't find it just quickly off the top of my head. But I'll, I'll do that next time because I've got a bit of that data that that would be quite cool to sort of share with everyone. But uh, it's interesting. We, I, I reckon maybe we should get old uh, Kerwin onto the show at some point in time and chat about the, the, the psychology side of it because, yeah. mate, as, as a buyer, as a buyer, I love emotion. Well, you can trade the emotion, Andy, can't you? In the marketplace, it's like, all right, well, I we we know that that's that's a short term emotional decision, not a long term emotional decision. Let's let's we can take advantage of that every day of the week. When people are excited and going bananas, <laughs> um, it's generally where I'll sort of sit back for a little bit and and kind of go, okay, all right, well, maybe we'll just take a little bit of the cream and take. And when people are scared, witless. It's an incredible opportunity because people do extraordinarily stupid things. Um, yeah, unfortunately, in the grips of fear. Uh, and maybe we'll get you know the big fella on at some point to chat about it because that'd be a great uh, 
you know, link into markets to actually look about the, the physiology, the chemistry that goes behind poor decision-making. Yeah. Uh, because let's face it, in financial markets terms, if we wind back to, you know, the bond market, if interest rates go up, markets will come down. That's, yep. that's a reality, right? Um, you will lose if you sell out, right? Predicting well, when that yeah, fall well, then, is well, almost impossible. And if any investment guru or any advisor tells you that they, in, in my world, that they can pick the bottom of the market, run as far away from that's them as they shit. can possibly get. <laughs> yeah. Right. The, other, the other way for me is like if anyone can tell you, oh, yeah, I've, I've worked out how to predict capital growth in real estate and like, nah, they're full of shit. They don't know what they're talking about. Like it's bullshit. It's, you know, there's plenty of things you can do, Andy, like to either, hey, what's my style? What's my my indicators to, to buy at a certain time? Or what's my strategy? What's my tactics? But, you know, if anyone says they know how to do it, they're, they're full of shit because they don't control the market. They don't know oh. the future. <laughs> the, 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 I think it was Buffett who said the, uh, the, the market has – and he, the, the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. <laughs> that is that is very true. That is very true. And hey, hey mate, we've got a few questions here. Um, let's, I let's thought thought would be worth maybe having a bit of a look at one uh, from Anne early on tonight. I hope you're still here, Anne. Talking about the land tax grab in Queensland. Oh. Here's some headline facts on that one, Anne. Oh, uh, Andy. This is insane. Oh, it's how, how are they going to actually um, uh, like? How are they going to regulate this across well, states? I, well, because- I've been I've been asking this right. So, so folks, if you don't know, Queensland has decided that on June 30, 2023, they're going to change the way land tax is calculated in Australia. So, uh, if you own, if you buy a property in Queensland, uh, and it's an investment. <laughs> thieves. <laughs> <laughs> yep, thieves. Absolutely rubbish. Uh, well, which I completely agree with. If you buy an investment property in Queensland, they're going to say, "Hey, Andy, where else in Australia do you own real estate?" So, number one, the Queensland government asking you to disclose information cross state lines. I don't even know how legal that is. It's well, not even. We're not even allowed to cross the state lines when they when they tell us we're not allowed to. Hey, Hang on, you know, don't come like, in Queensland. Bullshit. You're yeah. a Victorian. Well, don't come in here or don't leave. Like one of the two, right? So now they're saying, "Hang well, on, we want to know. know we want to know you don't have any somewhere else in the states that you're not allowed to come from." It's like if, if, if my Victorian buddies, they're not allowed to come across here. So, <laughs> so listen, what what I own in Victoria is none of your goddamn business. Yeah, yeah right. So. So what they want to do is say, hey, listen, if you own property everywhere else, we know you cheeky investors are trying to hack the system and benefit from the tax-free threshold in Queensland. So we're we're gonna we're gonna that's bullshit. If you own something somewhere else, you not only Andy, you not only miss out on the tax-free threshold, which I'm like, okay. Okay, if you want to do that, fine. But what they're gonna do. Folks, here's the thing, which I don't know how uh, they're going to say, no, no, not only do you don't qualify for the threshold, but now we're going to take your Victorian property and bundle it in the land tax calculation for Queensland. Yeah. That's right. what Maybe they're just trying to get rid of people from Queensland because, Jason, well, if I just move across the border, just south of Tweed Heads, 
or into the uh, New South Wales side of tweet, right. then all of a sudden it changes, doesn't it? Ah, oh, it's it's ludicrous. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Anyway, I think the question is, Andy, how the hell are they going to manage this? Like they haven't thought this shit through. Oh, they haven't mate. thought this stuff through. How this, are you going to manage this, it? This, this to me is uh, punch is punch drunk politicians uh, who have who have had and premiers who have got a ridiculous amount of power and real and and have, uh, this is irrational exuberance. I reckon at its best. Um, well, now I'm yeah. no legal expert on this stuff, but I, I know a reasonable amount of it. But ultimately, uh, so let's and maybe you're better to do this. Let's let's frame this up a little bit stronger and go well. What is what is land tax, and how is it decided? Thievery, thievery is land tax. Well, thievery is land tax. Well, I mean, when you watch some of those old movies about King Henry, and they used to go around and shoot people and chop their heads off if they weren't paying their land tax. Right. Um, well, you know, it, 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 it's state based. It's it is a it is not a, a national tax. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not a national tax. Like that's yeah, Chris, I think's got it right. That's bull. Shit, you're dead right, mate. And, you know, it's an all – so, Andy, I've seen this uh, at least once before in my property investing career. New South Wales had this amazing idea. So, Andy, <laughs> when <laughs> – I don't know if you've seen these ones. So, um, anyway, so – I just leave any conversation that New South Wales had an amazing idea. <laughs> like, wow, well, the politicians were like, you know, hey uh, – Capital gains tax, uh, when it's paid, Andy, goes to the national government. Like it go, doesn't go to the state government. So the states, New South Wales, people were gaining value in their real estate and New South Wales is like, we're missing out. We're not getting any of this action. So what they decided to do, the state decided to incorporate and bring in a exit tax at state level so there was um, there was stamp duty and there was an exit tax. So was there, there was an in-tax and an out-tax at state level and then you had to pay capital gains tax at national level, which was bullshit, right? Anyway, it, it polaxed that state for five years. Like well, it really... What's, what's the flow-on effect? And so, so let's uh, simplify it. Well, let's go back pretty- to our old Norwegians who have one of the lowest rates of interest rate hikes in the world. What happened when they uh, raised? Because in Norway, I think it's somewhere around fifty percent. Like you go and buy a bottle of Absolute in Norway, it's going to cost you one hundred and fifty bucks, right? It costs you about thirty or something in Australia. One hundred and fifty bucks—that's expensive. So, do you think that raise and put it in the chat? Do you think that uh, raising uh, taxes on alcohol in Norway stopped the Norwegians from drinking? <laughs> That Queensland's got cut. <laughs> yeah, they have. They're punched. <laughs> I reckon uh, they've just they they're reading too much of their own BS, and and this yeah. is really interesting because this, I'm not even sure uh, how it complies with the the ability because it's got to relate with other states, right? Because what well, happens if if you move from Queensland to Victoria and you've still got the same investment portfolio? Then what? Does Victoria uh, get and- the claim, counter claim back? Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? And it's like, all right, well, you know, Queensland's like, Bob's like, you know what? I don't have to invest in Queensland. I can invest in, you know, South Australia, Adelaide. Like, I don't have to invest up there, you, you tosses. So not only will Bob not now 
invest up there and they won't get the stamp duty and the and the annual rates now they won't get the land tax at all it bobs out uh and then you know we won't get supply renting because- his own place in queensland and subletting is one that is his principal place of residence that he's not really living in in victoria uh paying less land tax as a result of it and uh Mate, you can Alison it. reckons she's just going to make some moonshine. moonshine. Um, well, that's, that's what <laughs> happened in Norway. Uh, that's, they, all of a sudden the revenue dropped astronomically uh, and suicide rates went up. That, that's actually fact. But, um, well, thankfully, Andy, thankfully, Andy, folks, listening in, um, listening in, there are some ways to manage this. Andy, you and I have partners. Your partner can buy in Queensland. Uh, and not own anywhere else in the country, and uh, it won't be a problem. Or, Andy, you can buy a property in Queensland in a company, a trust structure. It won't be bundled. Um, Andy, you might. It might be appropriate. Folks, this is not financial advice, blah, 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 blah. Um, it might be appropriate that you buy or you want to buy a property in a super fund. Like an SMSF. Or just um, and not listen to anything that we've just said no, because none, none of what we've said has any relevance whatsoever to your personal circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Which not, is good. I mean, uh, Chris and Kat here said, what if you own a property in, in your SMSF? Thankfully, Chris, they're not cross they're not cross ownership bundle. So if Andy and I were partners, very new age, um, you know, uh, they're not taking Jason's properties and Andy's properties and saying, "Hey, you own them, own them as a as a group." Um, they're saying separate names, uh, separate SMSF, separate companies, separate trust, separate owners. I mean that they haven't crossed that line uh, yet. But there you go, Bob saying not yet, folks. Um, but you know, um, so. I think I've, I've got an idea of where the next level of inflation is going to be, and it's government fixed price inflation. Inflation. It's going to be in legal costs and financial advice. Yeah, uh, it was Kerry Packer who said it in the House of Reps inquiry in 1991 in the Senate inquiry into print media. He said, "I've got a suggestion for you because I and and this is quite this is quite legitimately and from working offshore, I can I can I can validate it. Is that the, the damage that the government does by changing laws and just writing legislation, 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 anytime the wind blows is nonsense. And basically what it does for investment and what it does for investment in Australia is investors in Australia go, well, we won't, we won't, we will not have operations in Australia, but we will rape and pillage and plunge your resources and your businesses out here because we can't operate in Australia because you just cannot operate in an environment like this. It's just it, not possible. It can't be uncertain. Yeah. And Donna's saying, hey, I, like, it, it's dumb, it's stupid. This conversation this Queensland government has started in land tax is, I think, ludicrous. It's is a, just, yeah. <laughs> but it, it will be really interesting to see whether uh, whether it actually, because here's the thing is that the, 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 the Tax Act is actually legislated, right? Now, you, you can bring in... Uh, you can bring in legislation over on top of it. You can amend the legislation the way that it sits, but there, I reckon there'll be precedent set on this, Jason, because there'll be enough people who will lose enough based on these ridiculous changes who are going to get a little bit pissed off and say, well, hang on, let's have a crack and um, 
And I think yeah. it'll be interesting times ahead, especially for corporations as well. Well, um, I mean, you think about this, Andy, like so, and, and Alison, I reckon I, 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 I disagree with you on this one because um, in the past, you know, the exit tax in New South Wales failed miserably. Right now, the state governments uh, get stamp duty and GST. GST on construction, on new construction in your state, Andy, is like it's gold right now because the states have doubled down. They were meant to get rid of stamp duty because they now brought in GST on real estate. All right. So, but they've kept it, they've broken their promises, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so, what, what I think is going to happen, Andy, is like, you know, the investors will just move to a new market. Adelaide, Canberra, Perth, uh, Newcastle, Hunter Valley, you know, these places. Moonshine. And make their own moonshine. Alison, we're making our own moonshine, mate. (laughs) That's the reality. The the system will find a way. And, mate, there there was, uh, I've forgotten who brought it towards, I've forgotten you might know, but um, there was actually a proposal to reduce capital gains tax on property sales. Mm. And it was based off some interesting studies uh, that in other Western countries, when they reduce the capital gains tax, because if you own a property that's gone from $1 million to $2 million and you're uh, at 65 years of age and you're retiring, you go to sell that property, you have got a $500,000 accessible interest uh, so accessible taxable Tax. income. So yep. Let's just ballpark it. You've got three hundred and eighty thousand to four hundred thousand dollars worth of tax to pay, right? So, do you think that that house is going to get sold? No, they will die with that house, and that house will then get passed on. And because of the way that the law is set up now, it's it is a tax event, but you don't pay tax. It'll go to the next owner. Do you think the next owner is going to sell that house? Not for love nor money. They will hold on to that as much yep. as they can. They will leverage it up to their eyeballs and they will use that money in great ways. And the UK created um, death taxes to manage this. But a forward-thinking way of managing this was, uh, and I've forgotten who it was, maybe it was Switzerland, I, ca- I can't remember. Um, there's some papers written on this. Uh, reduced capital gains tax and all of a sudden what happened is all of a sudden the market started turning over at a great rate of knots. Mate. There was twice the amount of transactions which meant that they had more money flowing into the government and less amount of tax per person because assets were changing and the Mate, you and I know, you and I know the the universal law on this one it has to keep moving money, money when moves. it stops goes rotten right like when water stops it becomes stagnant becomes toxic wealth when it stops when it gets blocked becomes stagnant, you know, and, you know, it's almost like, Andy, like the world of leverage, right, lending, leverage became a tool to unblock that money because taxes became onerous, right? So you got this like, well, you know, stop. If, If you want average, if you want bad lending practices to, be eliminated, stop putting so much fucking tax on the system. It's like, what? You know, mate. Well, uh, mate that's how futures markets were yeah. created. Uh, that's how Greenspan then took the, the commodities futures market, brought it into financial terms. That's how Bitcoin 
is farmed and then uh, released and uh, and then redistributed. There's some bloody interesting shit that's going on in that world. Like, holy oh, Moses, there's going to be people going to jail. Um, but but ultimately, yeah, 100%. Leverage created the freedom of this money to be able to transfer because the transactional costs became so prohibitive. Yeah, ludicrous. Of allowing that to transfer that it, it froze markets uh, and it has done for, for, for generations. And, and ultimately what we will see, blockchain, um, you know, 20 years from now, the, the way that blockchain is going to impact uh, transactions, world tax uh, is going to be revolutionary because what that'll do is it'll allow you to sell little bits of it over time, yeah. realize less of the tax over time, be able to, to there's, there's, there's a whole world coming uh, and, uh, and hopefully the, the politicians won't have a, a, a rat's ass of what's going on. They won't have a, a clue what's happening in the background. It'll all just take them by surprise. But the reality is, mate, this is the, one of the most ludicrous things I've seen in, in tax uh, and just political decisions. And my, my belief, which is founded nothing more on my opinion and opinions like our, our souls, everyone's got one. And if it's in the media, it's designed to scare you into doing stupid stuff. But mine is that this, uh, this is based off premiers uh, post-COVID believing that they are uh, Bruce Almighty, yeah, and um, and it's scary. And and we go to we've talking we, we've we've spoken a lot. We've talked a lot about uh, uh, political ambivalence. And mate, this one I reckon is one where pe- right to your member. There's a reason why they're called a member because they are a client. Well, that might be yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm with you. Yeah, because um, I've already actually written to my. Um, my legal team to say, hey, um, how actual, like, is this actually from a privacy point of view, like legal? They've got no, they've got no rights or interest to ask, actually ask about my personal ownership interstate, like, wh- like, wh- why? So where does this sit? I, I want to know what the what the guts of it is. So you know, I I, I I've asked it. And I reckon we could mobilise Andy. Maybe this could be our flag we fly, our um, our reluctant step into uh, political <laughs> mobilisation. <laughs> we'll, we'll need to create our own con- uh, our own states. We might just uh, draw a boundary around a certain region and create our own currency. <laughs> the peninsula. So, I think the, the, the Mornington Peninsula, mate, we can do it. You can do it. Do it. <laughs> not a bad place to do it. But, mate, well, ludicrous and, uh, wow, interesting times, interesting times like that. Yeah how you make decisions like that, how you pass them, how you get people to agree to them, uh, how you justify them, how they exist long-term. I don't have an answer for any of those questions right now. I was flabbergasted when it came through and I thought that this is going to be a really interesting 12 months to 24 months. Um, And where it's really going to be interesting is uh, where somebody gets divorced, somebody gets killed, Somebody dies as a result of these sort, because this is the reality of these sorts of things is they can create pressures in certain areas that then become insurmountable or seemingly insurmountable. The administration Um, of it's like ludicrous. Yeah. And, but the the flow on effects and eventually somebody's going to point the gun back at the the government and, and, and find out, is this legal? Is this, you know, how do you do this? Does it intersect with the relevant laws in such a way that makes it, 
um, fully legal, um, like fully sick. Um, <laughs> I just don't get it, Jace. Like I'm, I'm so gobsmacked uh, by it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, we've got a year and a half, folks. Well, is it a year? Maybe a year, not a year and a half. A year is the, uh, or just under a year. Um, and let's see how we roll. I'm certainly going to make a bit of a stink about it, Andy, and I think we might sort of rally the troops on this one. Uh, there's a few people who might be interested in doing it. So, mate, I think um, we might need here's, to put a pin in it there. <laughs> here's, here's my tip, mate. I reckon you're going to see the same thing bloody pop up in Victoria and, uh, and then New South Wales, I reckon, because basically what happened in the pandemic was one, one shut the borders, then the other one shut the borders on them, and then the other one shut the borders on them, then the other one shut the borders on all of them, and then WA shut the borders on everyone. Um, so then my question is going to be, well, if, if all the premiers actually get into their own respective corners, my belief would be, well, hang on. Sorry, Jace, you're a Queenslander. You can't take that tax. I want the bloody tax because it, that land is in my state. Yeah. And that, that's, going to be, that, that's going to be the interesting part as to where they end up squabbling within themselves Squab- because there is a thing called that. the double taxation agreement and I don't know how this sits on a state-based um, level but we've got a uh, in, it's not in the constitution, uh, it, we have a, what's called a, a double taxation agreement with many countries around the world, not everyone but many, which basically means that it is illegal to have a double tax. And what I mean by that is if Jason is, uh, is US and, and I'm Australia and I've got, I've got investments over in, in the US and Jason says, well, based on it being over here, I've got to get my fair whack of tax. So Jason taxes it at 30%, right? And then it comes back to Australia. I can't then go, well, on top of its 30%, I'm going to charge it at the marginal tax rate, right? Um, it's called a double taxation treaty. Uh, and basically what it means is that there's a fair exchange between these countries that means that you can't be taxed twice. So mm. either, you know, we need to take a concession in Australia or we've got an agreement with the US, but ultimately you can't get taxed m- multiple times at the full full whack. Is, is a mo- it's a really, I've articulated that poorly, but hopefully there's a broad understanding of what, I, what I'm trying to get at here. Now we're talking about state-based, and I'm I'm starting to think. Well, you know, how does that actually apply? Do we have a double taxation agreement with the rest of the states? Because this this to me now starts to come into a really unusual area of tax, which which to be fair, I've never even thought about, and I don't understand well enough. But it starts to beg some questions. If if we can get along with our global partners in a way that we have a double taxation treaty with our global partners, but we can't within the states of Australia. What does that say about how united we are as a country? Well, mate, uh, I think there's plenty to play out in this little space, and um, and certainly we've got a we've got not a lot of time to uh, to understand what it's going to mean. Um, my call, my call. I reckon um, if it becomes successful, then the other states will follow. But I think I don't think it will be successful, as in. Okay. Don't I don't it think it'll be a long-term windfall for the government. I think what will happen short and medium term is investors will go, piss off Queensland, we're just going to take our money somewhere else. 
Um, and um, I think that's mate. That, X um, mouth is amazing. <laughs> don't, listen to, don't listen to Andy Fender. Well, it's a good, it's a nice place to go diving, folks. But don't buy any property there. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It is a just such a beautiful place in the world. Well, it's not that. It's it's actually not that funny. Actually, well, it's actually serious. Um, Western Australia is the only state in Australia that doesn't has got a surplus in their budget. Like, you know, um, I think they're undervalued at the moment, folks. Uh, that's just personally. Uh, Broom Broom uh, was uh, was meant to be the gateway to Australia. Once, do you know this story? No, I don't know. I do not. My last uh, drop of wine, Andy. You've got one minute to finish the story, and we'll we'll let everyone go. <laughs> But uh, Broom was meant to, and, and I, I've got to remember the facts and I don't write about now, so <laughs> it's an anecdote to be finished in the future and I'll bring all the facts back. But Broom was, uh, was meant to be the gateway to Australia for international visitors through the top ends. That's why so much infrastructure actually went into the top end of Australia, Darwin Broom, because that was perceived to be an incredible way of bringing everyone into Australia, it ended up them being Sydney and and uh, and Melbourne. Um, and terrible you know, idea. They should have put it up the top there. That's where totally. the water is. And so, so my question is, maybe they got it right. It just took longer than they thought. And, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes because Coral Bay is a beautiful place. Exmouth, Point Sampson, Northern Northern WA, mate. It's an incredible neck of the woods. Well, mate, let's let's give it another. You know. 200, 400 years in Australia. <laughs> that's, that's how we go. Maybe they were just a little bit too soon, but uh, they saw, saw well and truly into the future. Uh, well, folks, uh, fantastic to hang out with you guys tonight. Really, um, there's a few questions we haven't answered, but as always, I think we'll that's a bit to the next week. Yep, we'll, we'll uh, circle we'll... around. Yep. Uh, really appreciate you guys hanging out with us tonight. And, um, Plenty, plenty to discuss, Andy. Lots going on. Lots going on, mate. We, we were we were starting off, and we thought that maybe we were a little bit light on, but uh, <laughs> there's so much going on out there. It's crazy, uh, mate. I didn't even get to anything that I had on my slide deck. Um, but uh, folks, mark my words. We'll circle around to this next week. Uh, there's plenty on the horizon right now that we all need to be aware of and keeping an eye on as property investors, as business owners. As uh, share investors, marketplace uh, uh, observers, we need to really be across it. So you guys have an awesome weekend. Understand who to trust, who not to listen to, (laughs) uh, and that'll make your life a a safer place, a more enjoyable space, and and more smiles on the weekend is, uh, is what we wish. Uh, for all of you and and appreciate each and every one of you. <laughs> I love this one. Jared said he had, he had two beers and half a wine. It was thirsty listening. All right. That's, um... <laughs> <laughs> that's gold. Uh, uh, that's gold. That's awesome, Jared. Well, thanks all, all of you guys for joining us tonight. Um, and I think, uh, I think that's it from us. So it's a good night from uh, him. And it's a good night from me. Good night. Good night, everyone. Have a good weekend. <laughs> Have a great weekend, folks.